I'm Cody Watson, and that's Phil Shelley, and you are listening to the Christ Over All podcast. Welcome back. We are here with the Christ Over All podcast, and we are excited you're joining us again this week. Uh, We are here uh, to show how Christ has authority over every aspect of this world of our lives, how Jesus Christ is sovereign over every square inch. And we are talking about specifically the family today. The Bible makes clear the family is the foundation uh, for culture, for the church. And so we're looking to dive in and talk about what the scriptures have to say. And so, yeah, Phil, how are you doing, man? I'm doing well. Doing well. It's good. Good to be back. Good to talk about such an important issue today. Um, Family is something that is just looks very differently in our culture. And so uh, let's start things off by uh, Cody, just introduce what your family background is. So uh, I'll start off with my current family. Uh, Currently I'm married to my lovely wife. We have one child and we have one on the way. And so actually this week we'll be finding out if it is a boy or a girl. Phil, you want to take any bets on that one? I am going to bet it's a girl because I really want a niece named Phyllis. So I am. I'm, I'm, I'm Phyllis. <laughs> I don't think Aaron's going to let that happen. happen. <laughs> <laughs> um, on my my family background, though, I grew up. Uh, my parents were together for 16 years, and then they divorced when I was in high school. Uh, my dad remarried while I was in high school, and I had a stepsister and a stepmom. So yeah, so growing up, um, <clears throat> growing up. My immediate family uh, was kind of not traditional. My, my parents stayed together until I was about in 16, uh, and then they divorced, and then my dad remarried. So I had a stepmom and a stepsister, along with my actual sister, and then my dad divorced again. So I lost that stepmom and stepsister, then my dad remarried again. Uh, and so um, I have a stepmom on my dad's side, which as an adult, it's not she's not really a stepmom. It's just kind of a the lady that my dad is married to and uh, my mom remarried. So uh, and he's not really my stepdad. Uh, he's really the lady, the man that my mom is married to. So I have a, uh, in a pretty extensive extended family. Uh, Phil, tell us a little bit about your family. I have had a traditional family. My uh, parents are still married to this day. Don't ask me how long that's been. Uh, to my shame, I do not know. Um, I, have an older brother, um, and I have many, many, many uh, aunts and uncles from my dad's side that I uh, know uh, because my dad is one of sixteen brothers and sisters, and there's just there's too many to count and and too many divorces to know which one was married to which at what time, and so it is very <laughs> complicated. When you went to a family reunion, you had no idea who some of these people were. So. Yeah, you had to keep a chart to keep a account of who you were able to date and who you weren't when you were oh, family reunions, up, right? Shut Phil, up. Being from oh, Alabama. Shut up. <laughs> you know, I currently live in Alabama and I actually live in the area where Phil uh grew up. And so I understand why he had to look outside of, of Ufala to find someone because everyone here is pretty much related to him. Uh, I know we didn't plan on the story code, but here is a story about that. So uh Growing up, <laughs> growing up uh, at the church that my uh, my parents and I were a part of, there was this uh, this lady. Um, I'm sorry, not this. There was this girl in my youth group who was about four years older than me, 
And uh-huh. so we never had the inclination of dating. We were just friends and all that kind of stuff. But then my mom nonchalantly told me one day, oh, yeah, that's your cousin. Like, no, she's not. Yes, she is. And she proceeded to tell me the family tree of how we were related. But I always wondered if what if that did happen, though? What if we actually liked each other? And my mom never told me. You really got to figure that stuff out before, especially growing up in, I mean, we joke about Alabama, but you got to figure that out if you're living in a small town. Yeah. You got to know who you're related to. (laughs) (laughs) Thankfully, both of us are married now. We have our own families and none of us are married to our cousins that we know of. (laughs) Be a big shocker there. Uh, All that being said, jokingly, uh, let's look at the scriptures and see what they have to say about the family. Uh, And so to start, we want to look at Genesis 2. Uh, Genesis 2 kind of forms the foundation of of what marriage is and what the family is. And so looking at verse 15, we see the Lord took the man and placed him in the Garden of Eden to work it and watch over it. And the Lord commanded the man, you you are to eat from the fruit of any tree of the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Then the Lord said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper for him as his complement. So the Lord formed out of the ground every wild animal, every bird in the sky, and brought And whatever the man called the living creature, that was its name. The man gave na- names to all the livestock, to the birds, to the sky, to every wild animal. But for man, no helper was found to be his complement. So the Lord caused the deep sleep to come over the man, and he slept. God took over the ribs, cook, took one of his ribs, and closed the flesh at the place. And the Lord made his rib, and had taken from the man, and brought into a woman, and brought her to the man. And the man said, This one at last is bone of my bone, the flesh of my flesh. This one will be called woman, for she was taken from man. This is why a man leaves his father and mother, and bonds with his wife, and they become one flesh. Both the man and the woman were naked, and yet felt no shame. So, Phil, what do you think about that passage? So we see here that when God is creating the world and God created man for the mission of God to be completed, for for God's mission that he's given to man to do, it must be done with the helpmate of a woman. God gives him the family. He instructs the family to do this together. Um, Because the mission of man was to subdue the garden, have dominion over it, to take care of it. And that was only done with the woman as well. Yeah, you notice that it says that it wasn't good that he was alone. And it's not saying that it wasn't good, like God created something that was sinful. But it wasn't good that he he was not existing in community. He wasn't, he didn't have that. Uh, united uh, companionship that that really existed. I mean, God had a united companionship amongst the Trinity. There was Trinity and unity, and and man existed in loneliness, and he didn't have the helpmate that he needed to to fulfill his mission. So it wasn't good that he wasn't complete. Uh, look at the last verse, twenty four and twenty five. This is why a man leaves his father and mother, and bonds with his wife, and they become one flesh. So we see that they, they become unified. You're no longer your own identity. You are identified now with your spouse. You have a singular unit, a singular identity working to accomplish the mission. You are now a family. 
you know, I think that's kind of the foundation for, for what we said earlier, Phil, you know, some people might disagree with us when we say that you and your wife are a family, but scripture makes clear when you're united, you are a family. Like that's the foundation yeah. of the family. A yeah. marriage is the foundation of the family. Uh, Phil, what does the new Testament say about marriage? So uh, Paul time and time again, um, in his letters to the churches in the new Testament, he would, um, address certain applications of the end of his letter. And so we see in Colossians chapter three, starting in verse 18, we see this wives submit to your husbands as is fitting to the Lord. Husbands love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children obey your parents in everything for this pleases the Lord and fathers do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. So Cody, how is Paul addressing the family in this context? You know, it's interesting. You see how he points out each kind of relationship. You see the horizontal relationship between the husband and wife of how there's mutual love and mutual submission, that the, the husband is to set aside love for his wife. And love, as displayed in the scriptures, is sacrificial love. It's the love that led Jesus to wash his disciples' feet. It's the love that led Jesus to die on the cross. And so love here is this this leadership isn't uh, an abusive leadership, a self-centered leadership. It's a spouse-focused leadership. It desires to lead and to love in a way that is what's best for the family and what's best for the spouse. For the wife, though, it's obedience and following after the husband as he leads to follow Christ and setting that example for the church. So there is this mutual love and submission working together. And then the children, although they are under the parents, the father is not to provoke. It's supposed to be working in this this unity, this 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 submission unity of seeking what's best for the others. And it forms the foundation for um, the church. It forms the foundation for the community. It truly is the foundation, like that unit, that parent-child relationship, that husband-wife relationship is the foundation for all of society. And so, yeah, that's, that's a pretty, pretty deep thing. It is. It is very deep. It's also at the same time, it's very important, but um so we, we talked about the foundation of where, how God started the family, one of the responsibilities that the family has as roles. But let's, let's, let's kind of gear to, let's go now towards what is um, a main responsibility for parents to do in the context of a family towards how they're supposed to, uh, to teach. Um, so let's go towards uh, what does Deuteronomy 6 say, Cody? Deuteronomy 6 says this, Listen, O Israel, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. You shall teach these diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hands, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. They shall be written on your doorpost and on your gates. So essentially, uh, Phil, what's the content of what you're talking about here? So, so the content was coming here is that um, is the responsibility for one 
for us to love God with all of our beings. I mean, that's very clear mm-hmm. in the first verse. We love to, we're supposed to love God, who is our Lord, with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. What's also what's very important here at the same time is that not only are you supposed to love God with everything, you're supposed to teach your children to do the exact same thing. And it's not that you're hmm. supposed to only do it on like a Sunday morning context, Sunday evening or Wednesday night context, the way this makes it described, you're supposed to do this at every point during the day. This is something that's supposed to be on the forefront of your mind as a family, uh, the forefront of the, for your family to be part of God's mission. Mm. Yeah. It's the content uh, of, of what you talked about as a family. We saw how the family relates to each other relationally. But here, the foundation for that relationship is the word of God, the love of God, the instruction of God. And and as you know, Phil, um, we both took the same Deuteronomy class, so we both know so much about Deuteronomy. <laughs> we do. Uh, we, Shout uh, out to Dr. Freeman. Good to... Oh, Tricky Ricky. Tricky Ricky. Uh, one of my f- Tricky Ricky, one of my favorite uh, professors. Um, Deuteronomy chapter six, that, that commandment is called the great commandment. It is the foundation for all of the commandments of Scripture. So every commandment, every rule, even the Ten Commandments, all can be found and love the Lord your God with everything you have. And so that's kind of the summation of all of what God wants us to do here. And as parents, it's supposed to be the content of our teaching and our learning. It's, it's shaping our child to put God first. Uh, and so with that being said, Phil, would you read the last verse we talked about? Yes. Proverbs uh, 17.6. Yes. Here it is. Grandchildren are crown of the aged, and the glory of children is their fathers. So, yeah. Uh, so, Cody, what do you think about that verse? I do, uh, I'm, <laughs> so, we, we do see that there is an importance of grandparents, but Cody, I'll, I'll let you uh, speak a little bit more to this. Yes, because you know how many grandchildren I have, Phil. Uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, you know, th- this verse is a reminder of the importance of a generational faith, that families, spiritual families, last generations, that we're called to, uh, to be parents who parent in light of the next generation and grandparents who invest in the next generation. So as an extended family, we're called to love those in our extended family and to shepherd them. Uh, you know, not in the same level, in the same way as parents, but the Bible gives the foundation for uh, an extended spiritual family. And so, yeah, with that being said, uh, we want to move into some more difficult topics. Uh, we kind of have the foundation. We see God created the marriage as the foundation for the family that we leave and cleave and we create our own families. We see God's plan for how the family functions together in Colossians. We see how the word of God and the commands of God form the instruction in the family and how the extended family relates to it. But what does the culture have to say about family, Phil? What do you think the culture is saying? So I think that the family itself um, in our culture, like it is something that since we don't have a foundation of what family is supposed to be in our culture, we can really mend and break to whatever we think family wants to be. It can be easily replaced. It can be shaped in any form or fashion. 
Um, that really is the, the and that is the and that becomes the destruction of society at the same time. When we lose what town was supposed to be. Let me ask you a question, Phil. This is kind of off topic, but you know, when we were recording this the first time, uh, we had some some technical errors, and when we were working through this, uh, you made a joke about your dog. Phil, you have a dog, and I have a dog. What is your dog's role within your family? My dog's role is for me to take care of it, and his role is to not do anything. Um, so is your dog a part of your family? No. Uh, when, it, when it comes to like a biological sense or a, one who is cre- uh, connected, no. He is um, – do I care about my dog? Yes. Um, but do I see him as a member of my family? No, I don't. No. And, you know, Scripture makes clear that a man can be judged by how he treats his animals, but dogs are not a part of your family. Dogs are not your children. That's controversial, but in the world today, your family is really whatever you make it. And I think that that's kind of a response to the fallenness and brokenness that our culture encounters, and they don't know how to interpret that. You know, you see uh, abusive spouses, and so women are told – uh, they can get divorced. So you think about no-fault divorce. No-fault divorce was introduced with good intentions. The idea was that there's a husband who's being abusive, a wife feels no way she can get out, she can't get a good lawyer. This gives her a way to escape uh, and to prevent death or injury or harm. But what ended up happening, uh, the con- negative consequences of it, was that now we're told that Wives don't need husbands to raise children that husbands don't need. We don't need to be married. We like we need like we can do this on our own. And really, the family is called to be the unit in which children are raised. We we don't have a biblical understanding of why we need each other. You know, I need my wife like she she fills uh, a lot of roles that I can't fill now. Now, she ultimately doesn't fulfill the God role in my life. She's not my God. She doesn't fulfill that, that function, but as a unit, we're united as one. There are things that she can do for my child that I can't do physically, spiritually. There are things that she can do that I can't do. And there are things that I can do that she can't do. And in the same way in your marriage, Phil, there are things your wife can do that you can't do and that you can do that. She can't do. We need that complementarity. What do you think? I, I would really agree with that. And it is, it is scary to think in our culture that we, because we do have this almost like a, um, a misindependent culture, uh, quoting the song Neo um, back <laughs> years ago. If you don't know who Neo is, I mean, you're not missing anyone, but. <laughs> <laughs> We're old. We are old. My goodness. And so it is like we we grow up in a society where, hey, we can do everything on our own. We can grow. We don't need anyone else, so to speak. We can do whatever this person can do. I can do despite having different circumstances. And that is very scary. Um, Very, very scary. You know, even in in marriages today, you know, I I was listening to a conversation recently where uh, people were talking about uh, the idea that a woman can lead just as well as a man. A a woman can lead the family. Uh, And realistically, I mean, that does happen in some families, but that doesn't mean that it's the best or that it's ideal. And honestly, it's from a misunderstood idea of what leadership really is. 
Uh, leadership is not this lording over and making every decision. Leadership is lovingly guiding people in the way that they need to go, you know? Absolutely. Um, and we definitely need to, um, to reflect that because of, because if we don't value the family, then uh, uh, one piece of that is we will not value. We'll turn your phone off, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> we will not value the children that, that we have in this culture as well, which is the other difficult topic we want to talk about. Is, yeah. Um, uh, by, by the way, when we were practicing recording this, uh, we had made the difficult decision that we're going to have to split this up episode into two parts because there's just so much to talk about here. Uh, but like Phil said, we need to talk about the value of children because, you know, as we talk about the value of family, we live in a culture that, that Al Mohler, I think, puts it rightly when he says we live in a culture of death in a culture that doesn't value children. Uh, you know, you see it in so many different ways. Um, in our culture, we're having less and less children. You know, Phil, I was studying for one of my uh, ethics classes, and we were looking into artificial insemination. And I, I don't want to get into the gory details, but, you know, there are, I think it's somewhere close to, uh, and don't quote me on the statistic, but it was, it was in the millions of fertilized eggs. That means little babies that are sitting frozen in test tubes right now, waiting to be adopted, that, that, have, that have just been abandoned, that the parents have created and then left. And not only that, we see children being aborted and killed in mass numbers. Phil, you, you've, you've worked at an abortion clinic, not that you work at one. All right, well, well, yeah, let's, 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 let's clarify that. <laughs> you have worked against the work of an abortion clinic. You have stood in front of and prayed against and confronted people and worked against the work of the devil there. Tell us a little bit about that. Um, okay. So we are, this is the improv question I get. Okay. So um, something that I have been doing for the past uh, almost three years now is um, a group of people in the area that I'm at, we go um and we do this every day um there's always somebody there every time this clinic is open uh, we go there we try to proclaim the the name of christ in a loving way mm. a generous way and to try and persuade the mothers whether they come there with their spouse uh they come there with their husbands i'm more their boyfriends their parents even their own children that they have outside of the womb, uh, we try and persuade them to to really consider what is taking place here and how you are devaluing your own society. Mm-hmm. And yeah. um, it is it is a heartbreaking thing to see, um, and there is no way to describe it. There literally is no way to describe it. I'm sorry to throw you under the bus, Phil. I just thought it was something that would be. Oh no, you're good. You're good. We're talking you're about. Good. You know, honestly, uh, I said earlier in the 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 podcast that Aaron and I are expecting to uh, find out the gender of our baby. And you know, it's interesting. Every every couple of weeks, uh, Aaron's been going 
uh, and getting ultrasounds. And I've been been looking at the baby through the phone because we, uh, because of COVID, we I have not been able to be in there when the ultrasound has happened. And I look at that baby and I see its fingers moving, its heart beating, uh, it's uh, rolling around, playing in there. And I think, you know, at this point, uh, you know, Alabama and other states have have made laws. Uh, quote unquote banning abortion, but because of the courts, none of those have actually gone through, and are, there are still babies being aborted in Alabama. Um, but my child, who is, uh, I want to say, 15 weeks at the time of this recording, in every state in the union, it is still legal yeah. uh, to kill at the time of the recording of this podcast. It is still legal to kill uh, my baby, which is heartbreaking to think about that we devalue children so much. And, you know, as a church, I think a lot of this falls on us. Uh, you know, we, we may not, we may with our lips be pro-life and pro-children, but in our actions, oftentimes we're not, you know, I don't know, Phil, you go to a church with a bunch of large families. Uh, I do. And, praise the Lord. And yeah, praise the Lord for that. But there are a lot of places where having a large family is viewed as a pariah on society or you're looked down upon. You know, the Lord says that children are a blessing that we should not neglect. You know, um, I don't want to get real personal here, but my wife and I, we, we only have, we have one kid and one on the way, but we've wanted to have a lot of kids and we're trying, but not everyone is able to, but children are a blessing that we shouldn't neglect. Yeah. You know, that's, this is a, uh, I didn't expect this episode to get so emotional, man. I, I, I wasn't ready for this. Uh, you know, I'm glad we split this up that, but children really are valuable. We don't value children the way we should. So Phil, you got anything else you want to say on that? In our culture, in our society, and this is, might be something we might be, we should unpack in a different episode when we talk about other matters. But without a doubt, one of the biggest inconsistencies in our culture is that we are willing to um, say with our eyes that we want justice to be done. We want to say with our mouth, we want to see justice happening but we're willing to turn a blind eye and spit in God's face mm. by murdering people that do not have a voice. And I, I'm going to stop there because I don't want to say that's, this is a topic for a different day. So, yeah, definitely. I think uh, we've kind of veered off topic, but I think it's been a good thing. I hope. Uh, we don't run off every single listener this week. I hope that if you uh, if you stand against us on this point, please listen to us. Uh, hear us out. If you're a believer and you stand against us on this point, you need to pray about it. Because honestly, the scriptures are clear. Um, and we hope that it's been encouraging for those of you who do have large families. Uh, for those of you who are fighting for your family. Uh, please take time this week. Uh, and thank the Lord for what he's given you. Yeah. Uh, if you're just a husband and wife, praise the Lord for that family. Uh, if you're a husband and, and a wife with a few children, praise the Lord for that. Uh, he's given you a blessing. If you grew up with a broken family, uh, you know, you may have been given wrong examples, but we see that the scripture shows us how uh, we can have a whole family. And so with that being said, uh, we want to sign off here. 
Uh, Phil, you got anything else you want to say? No, no. All right. Well, we look forward to for y'all listening up next week for part two. Uh, we are enjoying doing this podcast. Like it, uh, share it on Facebook. We're looking to get it on as many uh, platforms as possible. We're currently on Spotify and Anchor. Uh, so share us on those platforms. Uh, and so uh, listen and let others know. I'm praying for you guys. Hope that blesses you. Grace and peace.